0: The first degree.
1: first degree. First degree. First degree.
0: First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. You see it on the news. You see it
2: on the paper. You see it on Facebook. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life.
3: And I'm like, you did it. How could... And now, I mean, the guy that's there and in court is not the guy... I mean, it's the body, the face of the guy I knew, but it's not the guy I knew. The guy I knew that was a friend, he couldn't have done that. So the monster he turned into after his child was born that could hurt his wife, that could murder this poor, defenseless woman, is not the guy I knew
1: hey guys welcome to the first degree the true crime podcast that you might end up on my name is jack Vanick. i'm sitting across from alexis link letter and next to billy jensen and today we have a teleprompter that we're reading off of for our episode and i feel well it's not a teleprompter it is <laughs> it's essentially a teleprompter it's a computer screen but it makes me feel a little bit more profash while we sit in alexis's apartment <laughs> listen i'm doing redecorating
4: i feel like we're in an office right now
1: do you Yes. Do you? No. <laughs> okay, neither do but
0: I. But it's an office that has booze, so I'm all right with it.
1: Whatever, guys. It is an office that has booze. Which I have is... made improvements in here. No, you have. Thank it's you. an office, Alexis. Thank you. And I'm drinking red wine. Like, how... I have it's nothing to no, complain yeah. about. Um, you guys have been giving us all of the reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts, and we would like you to continue, because you can win some first-degree merch, so please get out there and give us a five star review. I just read one that says Jack Vanek is the best, and it really made my day. Amen. I read no one mention a, of either review, right? I read. Oh, I'm not going to say it because it just perpetuates.
2: Because no. people
4: stick up for me, and then I have to read it. And yeah. Don't do it. Don't, Thanks don't for sticking up for me, everyone. But yeah. I've had enough.
0: <laughs> and, we, and we also have our super secret Facebook group, which yep. is at four thousand members, and you can join and and we we all comment in there. We you you see our witty repartee in there, and then because we're we're all friends with you. We're, we're friends, friends with the with firsties.
1: You know, we, there was a very nice thing that somebody said in our Facebook group where, I mean, if you've been in any Facebook group before, you know that they can go to shit really <laughs> easily oh, yeah. and people fight and shit goes crazy. And, and, uh one of our firsties was talking about how pleasant our facebook group is and i really appreciate yeah. that we don't have any drama we try no. to make it like a nice a nice place for people to talk about we want to
0: yes we want to see where the <laughs> we're at four thousand now we're, we're, what's the, the tipping break, point? what's the tipping point there yeah. yeah so
1: i mean at lady gang we're almost at 30k and their tipping point that's hasn't crazy happened yet. yeah, yeah so so that's you, great so you never know um okay billy what day is it
0: I love this day. Oh, God. It's national name your car day. Oh, did you name your car as a teenager?
4: I name my car now. What is okay. it? Lucifer. Oh, that's a
1: cool name.
0: Wow. That's very close to the, uh, my, my,
1: it's like Lex Lucifer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's
0: your car my, day? Th- no, the, I, I haven't, uh, I've not named my current car. Uh, but my first car, which was a 1988 black Nissan Pathfinder, was named Lucretia after the Ew. Sisters of Mercy song.
1: Oh, Lucretia just sounds like a it sounds like secretion. <laughs> Ew, doesn't it? Yes, very much. <laughs> yeah. Did your first car have a name? It. I had my. Oh. I did, and I can't remember. I keep thinking Gertrude, but Gertrude was the name of my mannequin. It I my <laughs> yeah. I was. I remember Gertrude. Yeah, she was. She was
4: defaced. She yeah. ended up getting like painted on and drawn on, like a, weird things drawn on it she, by by random
1: people. Yeah, at by house. random people at her house. Yes, Gertrude did get defaced a little bit. Yeah. I don't know where she is today. But anyways, my car was not named.
0: Hmm. I know it was.
1: I just don't remember the name. Right.
0: Uh, it's also Balloons Around the World Day. It's boring. Because it, who doesn't love a balloon?
1: I, they're bad for the environment. Yeah, I'm allergic to balloons. Oh,
0: my God. You guys are no fun. But it's also <laughs> World No Alcohol Day, which Whoa, really does not We are not
1: celebrating we are not that. We're not participating that, so in that. Nope. nope. Sorry. It's, it's also um, Phileas Fogg's Wagger Day, but I don't understand what any of that means. Those are funny sounds you made. Do you, Billy? No, I
0: don't know. Well, I don't know that really sounds like something from the 1910s. It sounds like some weird
1: Hogwarts language no.
0: you know. <laughs> well, it
1: has hot air balloons, so I'm assuming it has to do I think, with... I think it's it's might probably be, German. I think it
0: might be something sim- similar to the balloons around the world. Day.
1: Like the inventor of the hot air balloons name. Yeah, maybe name. something
0: along those lines.
1: Um, okay. Well, if you want to hear us bullshit around a little bit later, we're going to kill some time after the show. So make sure to stick around to hear us talk about various things. <laughs> You seemed super
0: excited Various things
1: <laughs> If you could only see Alexis's face when she said that. that Various things
4: I've had a really tiresome day You have, I can
1: tell I think everybody feels it Sorry, Billy <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well that's enough of that So let's turn down the lights And turn up your anxiety
0: Because this Could be you
4: 25-year-old Jamie Adams and 30-year-old Justin Adams were newlyweds who lived in the suburbs of Oklahoma City. So the pair were like your average, you know, mid-20s, early-30s couple. They were trying to figure it out. They were parenting Jamie's four kids that were aged between infant and seven years old. They were from a previous marriage, and they were excitedly expecting their first child together, and Jamie was around eight weeks pregnant. So it was around December and the Christmas holidays were approaching and Jamie apparently loved Christmas. She loved decorating. She loved wrapping, gift giving, the works, making cookies, caroling, Santa, Rudolph, you name it. She loved it. So this couple had a lot to be excited about. And Justin had just returned home from basic training after enlisting with the National Guard. His active duties had not yet started.
1: So he would be home with his family through the holidays, which is something they were all super excited about. So our story starts late night on December 9th, 2011. The top song on the radio was We Found Love by Rihanna and Calvin Harris. And movies in the theater were Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy, and Young Adult with Charlize Theron, who we love. Love
0: her. So it's 3 a.m. when Justin bangs on the door of his mother's house. Jamie never came home and I can't reach her, he says. He's panicked. And he tells her that Jamie went to the Crest grocery store between 10 and 11 p.m. and then went to meet a friend and then she went radio silent. Now, Jamie and Justin live on Justin's mother's property and Justin's mother's name is Tina Clark. So the mother, Tina, and the son, Justin, hop in the car and go to look for Jamie. At 5 a.m., as they're rolling through the streets, they spot the wife's van. And it's sitting empty in a local McDonald's parking lot. And they look inside. There's no sign of Jamie. They call the cops as soon as they can. And they're trying to keep their composure.
4: Right. And when the police get there, Justin is in a full-blown panic. He's agitated and he's kind of urging them to hurry up. And he's asking them to open the van help me, blah, blah, blah. And they're kind of put off by him. And the officers are asking him questions and he's kind of being evasive. And he essentially relays the circumstances of the events of the evening, explaining that he can't find or reach his wife. Now, for whatever reason, something about Justin's demeanor was very off-putting to the officers. Maybe he was too pushy, maybe he was abrasive, or maybe he was just being suspicious. But whatever it was, they did not take to him at all. They were very apprehensive of him, and they asked for proof that the vehicle even belonged to him in order to give him access to his wife's van. And this is for something, for whatever reason, he was unable to prove or provide to them. And they didn't let him into Jamie's car. And it was left there and later impounded by the
1: police. So the police accompany Justin home, and they end up taking a missing persons report. And when the police ask Justin which friend his wife had gone to see, he didn't have an answer. And kind of grazed over the question and was just generally super avoidant to them about that subject. But he did make sure to punctuate the fact that Jamie was pregnant and she had also taken her phone and laptop with her when she left that night. He said that he had last heard from her when she texted him from the fast food restaurant around 1245 in the morning. And when the police leave Justin and Jamie's, they try to encourage him to stay calm, stay hopeful that she'll turn up. There could be a reasonable, reasonable explanation for all this, right? But Justin and Tina just knew that something wasn't right.
4: Right. So after the missing persons report is taken, Justin and Tina go home and they the police kind of say, all right, well, we'll be in touch. You know, I'll, hopefully you hear from her, whatever. But two days slowly tick by, and there's still no sign of Jamie, who has four children at home Mm -hmm. and is seven to eight weeks pregnant. So the investigation, which probably wasn't doing anything yet because it was two days, she's an adult, there wasn't any signs of foul play, was about to enter into kind of super speed. And it was really going to catch their interest because two days later, Justin walked back into the police station, went to the detectives who took the original report and said, that he hadn't been truthful with them when he made the initial missing persons report. The police aren't totally shocked because they could tell that he was being evasive and avoidant during their initial contact with him. So he tells them that he said, the whole story about Jamie going to the grocery store and meeting a friend was not true. It was a lie. What Jamie was really heading out to do that night was meet the client for sex. Jamie was a sex worker and his gut instinct was to lie to them in an effort to protect her, and I'm sure on some level protect himself, not only from the potential legal retribution, but he also didn't want police to be judgmental of his wife or anyone else for that matter. So as it turns out, the fact that Jamie had dabbled in sex work wasn't a total shock to either Justin or his mother, Tina. In fact, many years back, Tina had worked in law enforcement and she had been the one to tell her son to omit the fact that she was a sex worker to the police when he was making the missing persons report because she said that if the cops knew that Jamie was a sex worker, they wouldn't put forth any effort to find her.
0: And that's the reason why he said, that's why I lied. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I didn't tell you the truth.
1: I mean, and it's t- true. Totally it's makes t- sense. Completely it's, true. It's true. Uh, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's, it's kind Which of is smart. unfortunate, but it's true. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very unfortunate, but it's smart that his mom would have told her that because if he was like, Oh yeah, my wife's a sec- sex worker, they could have very well been like, eh. Well, then she, it's a high risk job. That's yeah. on her, yeah. you know, that's, and I think the
4: setting in this case, I think the fact that it's the suburbs of Oklahoma is something that we have to remind ourselves of throughout this episode. It's like half of this is going to be because they want to solve the case. And half of it is this, the judgmental sort of like elitist attitude about this whole thing. Yeah. Emanates throughout.
0: Yeah. So here's what Justin tells the police. He says that that night, Jamie had actually gone to a motel in Norman to meet a client that she'd met on Craigslist. And what Jamie would do is advertise her services as a massage therapist. But Justin said he also, that she also engaged in sex work. The final text that Justin received that night uh, that Jamie went missing was that she was meeting another client just before midnight on December 9th. At the McDonald's in Midwest City. Which is where her van was found. Right. And he then received one more text from her saying that the client never showed up. And that was the last he heard from her.
1: Okay, so there's a lot of stuff to unpack here. So we're going to press pause on the investigation and give a little background info on... Jamie and Justin. So the two of them were engaged in a swinger type of a lifestyle and participated in these kinds of activities together. But the fact that Jamie was a sex worker was something that was somewhat recent and was done out of financial necessity. So the pair were
4: at this point in their lives in a dire financial state because even though Justin had finished his National Guard training, he hadn't started yet. He hadn't been assigned to a position. So there was no money coming into the household. And they've got four kids two adults and one on the way. So they were actually forced into moving into a mobile home on Justin's mom's property. And her name again is Tina. So they had all these kids mounting expenses and Christmas was coming. And this was Jamie's favorite holiday. And they really didn't want their kids to wake up Christmas morning with nothing. So it's unclear and nobody really knows whose idea the sex working was, but neither of them were opposed to it, especially because the idea of Jamie having other sex partners was not something offensive or off putting to Justin. They were already in this sort of swinger lifestyle and uh, it was something they both were on par with. And I, you know, um, and the mom, Tina, who's Justin's mom had only found out about the sex work by accident when the couple once left their laptop open and saw a Craigslist posting that they had made together.
0: And the Craigslist subject line read, quote, come help us. And it said, I am willing, I I am letting any willing man come and have his way with my wife with a little compensation for us to help with our holiday funding we need. So if this sounds hot and fun to you, then just email me. We have a hotel for the night and can host for anyone. And Tina confronted the couple when she found the posting and Justin Jamie just said it it won't happen.
1: Okay. So now we're going to get back to the investigation So Justin ended up sharing everything we just learned with the police and he even told them that normally he would have gone along with Jamie to make sure that she stays safe, but on that particular night, they couldn't get a sitter for the kids. So he had stayed behind and asked her to text him regularly to let him know where she was. But the police were baffled at what they were hearing because remember, these are conservative cops in Oklahoma and this is probably not something that they are normally used to. They couldn't understand how and why a husband would support his pregnant wife as a sex worker. And there are so many things to consider with this revelation. First of all, was Jamie really a sex worker? Or was her husband saying these things because he might have been involved in her disappearance for some reason or another? And with the police putting their judgments aside, another daunting thing to consider was that if Jamie was a sex worker, this now drastically widens the pool of potential suspects.
4: Justin spoke out to the media, and you could see his tearful pleas on the news, begging whomever was responsible for causing his wife to disappear to please let her go. He said, If by some miracle you're watching this, I want you to know that I love you and I cannot wait to see you again. And as this is happening, I mean, Justin is actively looking for his wife, trying to appeal to the media best he can. But the police are kind of running through the potential theories. And, you know, no matter what they thought of, whether it was, could this be random? Could this be, you know, one of her clients? They kept landing back on the man sitting right in front of them. Justin may not have realized it, but the police had their eye out for inconsistencies in his story. And there were many, not to mention the overt lying about what Jamie was up to that night. If he lied about that, what else could he be lying about? The detectives also noticed something strange in Justin's word choices as he was speaking. He kept referring to his wife in these interviews in the past tense. When they asked him how long he'd been married to Jamie, he responded with, it would have been a year in February. And remember, Jamie at this point has only been missing for a couple days.
3: Wow.
1: Interesting.
4: Very interesting. So this case, and I think this is a very interesting dichotomy in that, like, It was getting a ton of media coverage, and I was actually impressed because once it was revealed that she was a sex worker, I was worried that maybe that wouldn't be the case. Right. But that was not true. Everybody was paying a lot of attention to this story. I am going to introduce our first degree right now. Her name is Sandra. She lived right in this neighborhood. She heard the second this woman went missing and was following the case very closely. The one thing we're not gonna tell you this time, which we normally would, is how she is connected to the case. But you will learn later.
3: I know when Jamie Adams went missing and it was before Christmas and they kept showing pictures of her family and her husband and it broke my heart. I mean, it was before Christmas. Yeah, I was a fairly new mother still. So it was like, I couldn't imagine my kids was about her kids age and just to not be able to come home to my daughter i mean i've deployed away from my daughter before and it broke it broke my heart but to never just to be missing i couldn't imagine what it was doing to her kid or her husband so just to go missing it was I mean, it was everywhere, and we were all praying that she'd be found safe. So
4: all of Oklahoma City is watching and waiting to see what is going to happen to Jamie. And the police are looking right at Jamie's husband, Justin, for
0: answers. Justin also told them that in the days since Jamie vanished, he'd been conducting his own investigation. And that he'd spoken to the manager at a Denny's, which was near the McDonald's where Jamie's van was found. And he said that the owner of the Denny's told him that he had seen Jamie paying for her meal at around 3 a.m. on December 10th.
4: So she left the house between 10 and 11 the 9th. So this would be, what, four hours yeah. later?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And investigators, they go to the Denny's, they find the manager that Justin said he was speaking with. But the manager's told police that. I didn't remember seeing Jamie Adams. And the surveillance video from the restaurant also didn't show her in the restaurant either. So this is really weird. Is this another lie or is it some misunderstanding?
1: So the police then tow Jamie's van from the McDonald's parking lot and it's searched. And they find Jamie's cell phone inside her tan 2004 Chrysler van. Justin, who is being fully cooperative, surrenders his phone to the police as well, and cell phone data for both Jamie and Justin are pulled and poured over. And there are many things that the police are able to glean after they're reviewed. And the first thing they now knew conclusively was that Justin was not lying about the sex work. Jamie had conversed with four clients that night, and now luckily the police had names and contact info for these men. But... The thing that was the most glaring about the cell phone data was that it seemed to directly contradict Justin's story. In fact, the two phones had actually been together for the entire evening. And this is a really big thing because if Justin had been with Jamie's phone all night, he must know more than he was letting on to the police. Or worse, he might have been the reason for Jamie's disappearance. Right. So these are big
4: revelations. The police have Marching orders. Number one, contact and clear the four Craigslist clients Jamie had conversed with that night. But to them, keeping an eye on Justin was actually a top priority because it was seeming more and more likely to them that he was involved somehow. Each of the four clients all kind of have alibis and there are no red flags that are raised. I mean, soliciting sex work, is against the law in Oklahoma. So they're not denying that, but there was nothing out of the ordinary that stood out to them immediately when they spoke to these men. So at this point, once they talk to them, nothing standing out as crazy alarming, they decide to focus all of their efforts entirely on their prime suspect.
0: Yeah, and if you think it already looks bad for Justin, it's about to get worse. So it turns out the couple did not have a perfect marriage. Turns out that two months before jamie disappeared jamie reported to the police that justin had actually assaulted her jamie and three of her children were taken to a women's shelter in norman two months before she disappeared no paperwork was filed about this incident because the pair reconciled but the police also did more digging and they learned that justin actually had a hundred thousand dollar life insurance policy out on jamie and as soon as jamie was determined to be officially dead Justin would be in line for that 100000 k payout.
1: Right. And it's even crazier when a week after Jamie vanished, Justin was seen around town with another young woman. He was seeing someone and had a new girlfriend. And this was just a week after Jamie went missing. It is not a good look. It's not a good look. And, you know, um,
4: meanwhile... Jamie, it's not that Jamie's been found dead. I mean, Jamie's missing. missing. She's two months pregnant. And with every week that goes by, I mean, that gestation period goes on too. And everybody's worried now. I mean, it's been six days since she vanished. There's no sign of her, no activity on her bank accounts. Police start to increase the very real possibility that she could be deceased, especially given the fact, like I said, that she was pregnant. No money, no car, no phone. Nothing on her person, none of her personal items. They feared the worst, but remained cautiously hopeful.
0: So, six days after Jamie's disappearance, they're leaning on Justin. And Justin says, I'll take a polygraph test. And here are the results. He was found to be deceptive when he was asked, Do you know your wife's whereabouts? Not good. The only thing that Justin has on his side right now, because we've got all of these things that are piling on top of him, the only thing that he has is that there's no tangible proof that any harm has come to Jamie. She is missing. That's it. There's no body. There's no blood evidence. There's no crime scene. There's nothing.
1: But that was all about to change. Bikers using the dirt track at Southwest 59 in Douglas called police at about 1 p.m. on a Saturday after finding a woman's body near Lake Stanley Draper, and this was on the outskirts of the Tinker Air Force Base. The police combed the area by helicopter looking for clues. It was clear to the police that Jamie had been there for longer than a day, and she was found naked except for a cream-colored Old Navy winter coat.
4: So our first degree Sandra was watching the news of this discovery in horror because she was following the story closely. It was a huge local news story. And beyond that, she was familiar with this area because she had enlisted in the Air Force and had served at the Tinker Air Force Base for a number of years. And for her, all of this was just way too close for comfort.
3: And then when she was found uh, at Lake Draper, it was... you know, what happened, and it was the unknown. And then it kind of went away, not went away, but kind of, oh, they found her. She, was, she had died and had been killed. Well, I didn't think about it much after that. After, after her being found, it wasn't kind of forefront.
4: And this is something that we all do. We focus on the news stories that are front and center, And then they fall away, and a new one comes and takes its place. It's sad, especially because they're real people associated with these cases, of course. But unfortunately, it's the way humans are and the way our media is, too. So back to the case. As soon as Jamie's body was found, she went in for an autopsy. Jamie's autopsy revealed some troubling injuries. And this is just a warning. They are gruesome. So heads up on that. So Jamie had been killed by multiple stab wounds, 29 in total. There were there were overlying stab wounds on the back. There were two. There were multiple sharp force trauma stabs to the head, five to the neck, two to the front torso, and 18 in her back. There were defensive wounds on her hands, lent force trauma to her head, with the resultant fracture on the lower jaw into three pieces, and subarachnoid hemorrhage on the ventral aspect of the brain. Jamie was in her first trimester of pregnancy, as noted on her autopsy report, somewhere between seven and eight weeks. There was a post-mortem animal activity damaging that occurred on the left lower extremity and pelvic area, as well as post-mortem insect activity with resultant abundant large maggots. So Clyde Snow, who's a famous forensic anthropologist was called in. He worked on the Gacy case in the Alfred P. Murrah federal building bombing. And basically what they were trying to have him do is look at the insects that were present to help come up with a time of death to try to establish a timeline to see if it aligned with the accounts of mm-hmm, those involved in the yeah. investigation. Yeah.
0: And, you know, the discovery, this, this had been a huge media story in the area and everybody was hoping that she'd be found safe. She wasn't found safe. Everybody became, you know, a dark pallor, like went over the community. And obviously, it was especially devastating for the family and for the children. Justin appeared not only heartbroken, but really rattled by the news. The family started making funeral arrangements, and Justin is preparing to bury his wife, but the police were making plans too. They were making plans to make an arrest.
4: They were, and police chose the day of Jamie's burial to arrest her husband, Justin. And the arrest of Justin did not come as a surprise to anybody who was paying attention.
3: Yeah, I, I remember when they, when at first it first was still happening and they had found her. I mean, just like the cops, we all kind of looked toward the husband. Why would she go out? And he had already claimed that she had been on a sex worker through Craigslist. And then when she was found, we're like, but you let her. So, and it was just kind of, everything coming through the news was like, him and his mom couldn't keep their story straight. Oh, I did. I, I thought they should have gotten the husband and the mom and they kind of were done with it. And I think that's when I really just kind of quit paying attention. Cause I was like, they're gonna get him. It's the husband. For sure. And they had charged the husband.
4: And even though they had an arrest in this case now, and that was getting some of the news attention, they were really focusing on just the one thing in the media.
0: So as the case is unfolding, the media is focusing on the sex work. And But we were able to find other things about Jamie. So Jamie had a blog called The Sound of Creativity. In her profile, Jamie describes herself as, quote, a wife and a mother to three wonderful sons. I'm a college student chasing a medical dream, and I have a creative heart. I enjoy, I enjoy crochet. My sewing machine is a dear friend, and Mod Podge is my new favorite toy. I hope to produce an income doing the things I love, end quote. Jamie also had a Facebook page, which has since been deleted where she posted many photos of the many, quote, birthday beanies that she crocheted that benefited the American Cancer Society.
4: When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program. And it's available on desktop, or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways. And with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally. First with words, then phrases, and then sentences. And before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Visit com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. All right, so there's something that the police had not at least addressed publicly, or at least even when you're examining all of the evidence they have against Justin right now, it's something that hasn't come into account. It's It's interesting. I mean, this is a crime. The crime scene was not where the body was found. Um, and it was a very violent stabbing with 29 stab wounds. There was no way in a altercation like this, the perpetrator would not get blood on him, uh, possibly defensive wounds. This person would need time to clean up the scene without attracting attention. In this case, when we're talking about Justin, of his children, who he was watching because they weren't old enough to be home by themselves He would have to dispose of murder weapons i mean their house was searched his car was searched Mm -hmm. his cell phone he handed over and he had to have explained like this is a very time-consuming situation yeah so you know it's kind of just like where how are they justifying this are they just when when there's tunnel vision and investigations do they just ignore things like this
0: yeah Exactly. And they're just like, and you've seen it on literally on t-shirts. It's always the husband.
1: Yep. So Justin remained in jail for months. And while he was in there, he continued his relationship with his new girlfriend. Right. And it just doesn't look good. It does not look good at all. Scott Peterson. No, it's a bad, bad
4: look. And all the while... Justin is in jail. His mom is trying to prove his innocence, but it kind of backfires. So I'm just going to give you guys a little summary of this, and then we'll move on. But basically, the police were keeping an eye on Justin's mother and her activities. And what they learned and started to suspect is that she was a sex worker also, because she was messaging with people on Craigslist about sex work. And um she had also been messaging and texting people she knew about changing whatever story they had to match hers and her son, Justin's. Oof. But basically with the sex work thing, um, they were finding pictures of her, you know, they were like tracking their computers and they were figuring out that she was sending pictures of herself. But when they confronted her about it, she said, you know, I'm doing this to try to attract the real person who did it. Right. So she was doing like a covert. Right investigation on her own, which is her her story. But a lot of people believed that she was conspiring with her son and that she uh, was helping him try to navigate the truth so that he could get off. Right. But that's kind of the rundown with that. This, there's this whole sub story going on with Justin's mom, but it doesn't really impact the rest of the story. But there's the background on that.
0: So Justin's incarcerated for five months, and since the body's been discovered, they're doing forensic testing, and Justin's lawyer receives a call that was unexpected. There was DNA found inside Jamie, and it doesn't match Justin, and this is important.
4: The police with this rush to re-examine the evidence. All four of Jamie's clients from the night that she went missing are called back in to be re-interviewed. Three of the clients had almost identical stories. They all admitted to meeting her on Craigslist, all admitted to emailing first, texting, corresponding. She had sent pictures. They met up. They had sex. She made each of them wear protection. However, the fourth client that Jamie was corresponding with on the night that she went missing had a varied story. He said that he never actually met up with Jamie and that they just emailed and texted. The pictures were exchanged, but he ultimately backed out of meeting up with her. They were skeptical of this because remember, they had looked at the phones and it was kind of you see what what you would do with meeting up with a new person. It's the same thing with like Tinder. It's like meet here this time, do Mm -hmm. this, whatever. Of course, you don't know like if he showed up or not, but it, it seemed as if he did. But lucky for the police, it didn't matter what he said, they now had DNA. And if these guys wanted to be cleared, they would need to offer up a sample for comparison.
0: And all of them were actually more than happy to provide a sample for testing because they're freaking out. They're just like, I didn't kill anybody. Here's, here, here. Don't put me on the yeah.
1: news. I'm married. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Clear yeah, me. Exactly. Oh, God. Yeah. 100%. Yeah.
0: But the only exception is the fourth client, a man named Joseph Sear. And he had his attorney call and refuse the test on his behalf. He said, No, 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 I'm not doing this. He left a voicemail on the detective's machine and it said, My client, quote, does not feel he needs to oblige your request by volunteering. And quote, he would prefer you get a warrant. So police learned that Joseph moved to Oklahoma moved from the Oklahoma City area right after Jamie's murder. And he had lived in the Oklahoma City area his entire life, and then he just decided to move. Hmm. And remember, Joseph was actually questioned in her death and cleared of suspicion by police, but now that he's refusing this test, the tides are turning.
4: Right. And you have to just take a look at this. It's like they don't even want to believe this is him because they have already... They're no, putting they're thinking this about guy's him. in jail. The no,
0: husband's They're in jail. thinking about the husband. Yeah, They got
4: so, their guy. So that's the thing. Joseph's got to be real sketchy for them to be like Ugh. to even
1: pursue it. Mm-hmm. So as soon as police know who Joe was, his face appeared all over the news.
4: And this is a tactic they do. They'll put people who are just persons of interest on the news and then just watch what happens yeah. or in a lot of times they have their phones tapped or they have warrants already secured for that. Right. And they do it to see like the ripple effect yeah. and they'll do something like that to inst to be the catalyst. Right. So police had already known about Joseph Sear for about a week and they still hadn't let Justin out of prison. So a week afterwards they finally did. He was given the option of bail. He had to pay a hundred thousand dollars to get out after five months And he was finally allowed out of county lockup with an ankle monitor, despite the two first degree murder charges that were still pending against him. So finally, we can tell you how Sandra, our first degree connection, is connected to this story. We have mentioned that Sandra served in the Air Force on Tinker Air Force Base, which is near where Jamie's body was found. Another person who served on Tinker Air Force Base was Joseph Sear. Now, Sandra and Joe were very, very, very good friends in the military. And what you do is you live on base and you're with everybody's families and you become like one big family. They spent all their time together. And she was floored to see his picture show up on the news in connection to this case.
3: It was done. And then all of a sudden they came out with a new suspect and that's when they showed and it was Joseph Sear. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, I know him. And my husband thought I was nuts at the time. But it was just, I I,
4: I couldn't believe it. So interestingly, Joe actually had no criminal record in Oklahoma. Zero offenses on his record. But he did have a different kind of record. One that Sandra witnessed.
3: When I first met him... He was the, like the sweetest guy you'd ever meet. He was just very helpful, and I'm just a little girl trying to be a mechanic with all these big guys. And he was one of those that if I couldn't get a wrench or a bolt to break, he'd come over there and you know loosen it, and so then I could have the glory of break it, get get finishing the job. So, just a side note, they
4: worked as mechanics in the Air Force and worked on the planes together.
3: And he was always the sweetest person to me. I know there were several times night nightbenders out drinking. He would, you know, make sure that nothing happened to me personally. Um, there were several times that he made sure I got home okay to my apartment. And never once did he, you know... Ever give me like the heebie-jeebies, I call them. I never felt in fear of him.
4: But the sweet, helpful Joe that Sandra knew disappeared once he got married. And his wife's name was Ann, and she was in the Air Force, too.
3: Um, I do know after him and his wife, Ann, got married and they got pregnant, they kind of were a little standoffish toward everybody to me looking and then he would it, i mean i didn't see anything wrong between him and ann or anything now i see uh, how controlling he was toward her um, i don't do know several times while they were married that she would have to call on her supervisors because he apparently had been abusive at home. I know a couple times she had come in. This is more after she had had the baby. He, she had come in, and I—you could tell that something just wasn't right. Toward the end of their marriage, he had gotten very aggressive, even in the in the shop working. Uh, he wasn't that kind of, same kind of happy go lucky, you know, you know, break the bolt loose for me type of guy. He was. It was his way, and that's how it was going to be. So did I fear for myself with him? No. But I know Anne. they had pulled, separated a couple times and put her in, like, base housing to separate them because they were having issues. And they kept it real hush-hush around the base. Or one of the last that I heard is he had just beat the living crud out of her. And to the point she couldn't walk and her face was black and blue. They, I never saw her. It was like probably two months before I saw her again. I know at that point they were working on divorce paperwork and legal was involved. And so it was extremely hush hush.
4: Anne and the young son she had with Joseph did get away from him. They got divorced and she escaped and moved to another state away from this abusive husband. And Sandra never saw Anne again. Um, She did see Joseph more, but he had changed since he got married and they had had a baby. Something in him had shifted. He wasn't the same sweet guy she considered to be family. And now Sandra is watching as this case is unfolding involving this person that she used to be so close with. And now let's get back to the investigation. So Joe is a person of interest and the police are... Scrutinizing that evening, that he was in touch with Jamie, discussing the possibility of meeting up with her. So, Joe continues to insist that he never met Jamie in person. He admits to emailing her, but denied seeing her. And once he became a suspect, Joe did not shy away from the media. He spoke to the Oklahoman and denied any involvement in Jamie's slaying. And even when he's confronted with DNA evidence, then his story shifts just slightly as well i had sex with her but doesn't mean i did anything right
0: yeah and joe had a girlfriend named rebecca she had only been with him for two months but she said she saw joe at home with her at 2 a.m the evening that jamie went missing and that he seemed normal however she also said that the next morning he washed his truck and got four new tires
4: And it was the bed of his truck that she'd never seen him wash. Yeah. There's a DNA match here. All right. And now police, they've already released Justin from jail and they're starting to adjust their perspective on this. Yeah. And they are now starting to think, oh my God, it could be actually this guy.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously, they have the DNA evidence. but the DNA evidence is from potentially, you know, a a sex worker transaction. Yeah. So that that's that's what they're thinking, and that's what his defense is, because no, um, nothing under her fingernails, nothing, nothing under there. So, uh, and we know that she sh-
4: was there for a month. Yep. and There were a lot of animal.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That could have, yeah, mm-hmm. gotten rid of a lot of and that. And I think evidence. the reason
4: why they were able to salvage that DNA so mm-hmm, yeah. it was because it was internal. Mm-hmm. But I think um, you bring up a great point. And it's like, how do we know that more than sex happened? Well, they re examined the evidence against Justin. And basically, what they found I mean, the main thing that the state was hanging their hat on in terms of evidence against Justin was this very damning cell phone evidence. That proved that Justin was with Jamie the entire night. The
0: entire time. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest thing because it shows means.
4: Well, they reexamine the evidence and and they learn it is a total anomaly. It was a total mistake in the analysis of the cell phone data. So they re-examine this and they learn it was because they were on the same plan. It ended up showing that they were together. So it was a complete, complete, complete
0: mishap. How crazy is that? How,
4: like, and does it's, this happen? So it's not that crazy. Jacqueline and I were talking about this, where this happened with Adnan in the case, in the uh, serial case, because basically what was revealed is that, and I can't recall whether it was ingoing or outgoing, but there was a clause in his cell phone bill that was basically said either ingoing or outgoing cannot be relied upon in terms of
1: location or location thing.
4: exactly and it's just it's just not a perfect science I mean this these algorithms as far as sending signals through the air and what could disrupt that and what how the systems are reading the received signals back at headquarters at these cell phone places like where is this data being received and how you know what I mean like what processes are they being crunched through to give you this answer that people's whole lives are being, you know, at stake over? Right. So it's crazy that he literally, I mean, that's really all they had on him. Again, there's no crime scene,
1: there's no murder weapon.
0: Well, they were, yeah. So what they had on him was the cell phone data, which they said was placed Faulted. him, place, w- placed him exactly near where she was. They had that he, um,
4: New girlfriend. New
0: girlfriend and the lied. life insurance policy, and that he lied.
4: And a failed lie detector test. Right.
0: And obviously, he's the husband.
4: Statistically speaking. And the, the husband yes. always does it. Sure. And there's, there's more as far as that. So basically, I mean, the, the re examined cell phone data placed him 30 miles away from Jamie. He was telling the whole time the truth. Not only that, I know the life insurance policy looked really bad, it was also a new policy. But there was an explanation for that, too. When you join the National Guard, you choose, like, it's not like, it's like a package. Like, it's the equivalent of, like, a 401k insurance, how much of your uh, income goes to your benefits. And he had opted for a life insurance policy that just kind of came with it. But the media didn't explain that. And we see this a lot. So not only that it's like we've all you have to do is google the explanation about why lie detector tests are not admissible in court um there are a million reasons why they are not guilty people pass them all the time and innocent people fail them all the time so
0: no lie detectors are there is a great scene in the wire that shows what lie detectors can can work and it's they they take somebody out to, um and it's a, uh, a, a, I think it's like a dealer or something, and they take him to a copy machine. And they have him sort of say something on top of the copy machine, and then, you know, they have already uploaded or, or put in a piece of paper, and the piece of paper will say lie or truth. That's what it is about. It's about... The the lie detector at the end of the day is a a it's catalyst a tool. to
4: make them act a certain way. Yes, yeah. it's
0: it's a tool. It's it's just one of the tools that they're able to use within that process. A bluffing, yes, exactly. Well, but the That's thing all is, it is, also
1: with like a lie detector te- test, works more on personality type than it does on how truthful or lying a you're sociopaths will just pass. pass it all the time. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. OJ, but, I think, would pass a lie detector test.
1: Uh, one million person, any yeah. psychopath He's, would. Well, because it essentially uh, assesses stress, stress. So, but how stressed would you be if you're being convicted for murder and then you're put under a lie well, detector test? it's a test. baseline. The
4: idea is that, like. You're at a certain stress when you come in. If you're being questioned, you're already stressed. right? So the idea would be if you're shown a picture of your dead wife and do you have anything to do with this? And you become, um, you know, they measure all those vital responses and it just depends. I mean, it's just like how they say there's no normal reaction to a death it's just like we're grieving yeah and that's why they're not admissible but like billy said it's the same thing as what we were talking about with like a catalyst to try to get somebody to talk yeah if they fail a lie detector test they might get super defensive or they might start crying and being like i can't believe you think i did this and they might be believed yeah. right like it could have it could uh incite them to act in a way that gives the police the actual yeah, answer yeah, yeah. that they want yeah it's super interesting
0: So, after all of that, and the cell phone data, all of that, Joe is finally arrested and charged with two counts of murder for Jamie and her unborn baby.
3: When they finally linked it to the Craigslist and the prostitution, and then came out with the John that had killed her, and it was Joseph... I was like, I worked with him. How could how could he have done this? I mean, I used to hang out with him. I couldn't believe it. I was like, they've got the wrong guy. There's no way. Because at first, all I could think of was the guy that would help me and how friendly he was. Not the guy that I knew at the very end of our friendship. Uh, the one that you know abused his wife and. Uh, was just that standoffish type of person, so it was it was shocking, and I, I was I thought they had the wrong person. I was like, "There's no way this guy could have done this." Not the guy I knew, and I wasn't ever—I mean, nowhere near, close to, or we anything but friends. So I don't know if that's why I didn't see it in him or. If it was just me being young and ignorant that I didn't see the signs, which now I see as like big red glowing orbs right in front of my face. I just know he had c- completely did it for 180 and went from being a nice guy. But he was just that you looked at him and you were like, no, nope, I'm not going to mess with him. He doesn't look like he's having a good day. Toward the end... He wasn't anybody I would have, you know, he was completely different.
4: And Sandra is left to reconcile the fact that one of her closest friends in the military stole the life of Jamie Adams in this very ruthless way. And I mean, she was pregnant and a mother
3: of four. Now as a mom, it was, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I'm a crime kind of junkie and i watch all the drama talk shows, even though I know they're false, but still the interesting thing to me. Read the book. To be found like that in real life, I mean that it just I it was horrific. I you know, I felt so bad for her. So the thing is,
4: back to what's happening in the case. So Justin has been released from jail. Um Because they have a new suspect who they've arrested and they've got a lot of evidence against. And you'd think, you know, people watching are thinking he's just going to be completely let go and let off the hook and then maybe even get an apology from police, given that he spent five months in jail. But there's more.
1: And here's the kicker. This all sounds like good news for Justin, but his murder charges weren't dropped. Rather, they were downgraded to first degree manslaughter. And the reason is because he was complicit with Jamie's sex work, which ultimately led to her death. And the police's reasoning was that he aided and abetted his wife in acts of prostitution. And this is the legal terminology. Yes. We don't refer to this as such, but this was what was documented in the complaint. Yes, legally. And... That she was participating in criminal misconduct that resulted in her death. And this is fucking crazy because it's like the police are refusing to acknowledge that they fucked up. And Justin ended up pleading guilty to the charge and he was sentenced to 10 years of probation.
4: Right, because we think about what happened. I mean, his fears... Not the exact fears he was afraid of. He was afraid you won't look for Jamie if I tell you the truth. Right. But when he told the truth, it was like, it was you. Now man. it's you. Yeah. And, oh, um, he's
1: like, damned if he does, damned if not he doesn't. Not only that,
4: I mean, they've got four kids. And they threw him in jail for five months. He was going to go to the National Guard. I mean, I'm not saying he was like Bill Gates, but like yeah. he was still young. He was 30. That's plenty of time to do whatever you need to do. Yeah. He had just done basic training. And then they threw him in jail after they lost... After he lost his wife and his unborn kid. It's a nightmare. And, you know, to just, I've seen this in a couple other cases where they're like, we're not going to say sorry, you still broke the law and we're sticking to it yeah. because they don't, you know what it is? They don't agree with their lifestyle. Um, And we talked to Sandra about this. I mean, she explained how conservative this part of Oklahoma is. It's very conservative. And I think I was baffled and impressed the entire time I was researching this case because she did get so much media attention. They gave a ton of resources to try to find out who did it. But at the same time, there was this like air of just judgment. Yeah, where it's like, you're not going to let this dude go after what you put him through. You're yeah. going to charge him. And it's like, yeah, because you know what? We don't agree. With you, quote, unquote, letting your wife, even though she can do whatever she wants, and it was her choice to do (laughs) sex work.
1: Fucking ass backwards. We don't
4: believe, like, we don't agree, like, your swingers, you know that's why they did it. Yeah. They just look down on them. Yeah. And it's not fair. Like, the law is supposed to be unbiased. And I know that. Yeah, that
1: is one of the most biased things I've ever seen.
4: Yeah. I mean, really, dude? You have to charge him with sex?
1: Manslaughter? That's a huge deal. Yeah. So the case against Joe was based on more than just that DNA. The police reviewed Joe's phone records and learned that he had in fact met up with Jamie. So that's another lie that they caught him in. And the police also learned that he tried to sell his truck within the weeks after Jamie went missing. He was also the last person to exchange a message with Jamie before she went silent. And there was also the history of domestic violence with his wife and also in past relationships.
0: And... The jury in his trial, they were shown where Jamie's mutilated corpse was discovered, and they were shown the gruesome pictures of where she was discovered and Jamie's stab-covered body.
4: So like we said, the trial, as far as the defense, was focusing on the fact that just because his semen was found inside of Jamie does not mean he was the one to kill her. But now the police were focusing, and when I say the police, I mean the state, were focusing on the fact that Joe had lied to police about meeting Jamie so many times and lied to them about so many things. But so did Justin. So the things that they're using in all of these situations, it doesn't always mean the person is guilty. Unfortunately for Joe, this whole DNA thing um, is not really on his side. Not to mention, they also had proof, which I cannot find, but they had proof Joe used Jamie's cell phone after she was deceased in an attempt to cover his tracks. And I can't find them elaborating on that, but apparently they also had evidence of that as well,
1: which is pretty damning. And another shocking thing came up during the trial. So the prosecutors called two of Joe's former girlfriends to the stand who testified about how Joe has this desire to impregnate women against their wishes. And prosecutors theorized that a physical altercation between Joe and Jamie could have been related to Sear not wanting to use protection during sex, which is why he ended up ejaculating inside of her.
4: And it also makes sense because when they talked to the three other clients she met with that night, they had all used protection and said that Jamie insisted. Yeah. And I mean, it just kind of makes sense. So I had never heard of this fetish before. Meaning neither. It's called mesophilia. The definition of this term, it's also um, insemination fetish or pregnancy fetish. There are a lot of variations and different sort of branches of it. But basically what it means, um, this the people who have this, they have impregnation fantasies that are characterized by the arousal or gratification from the possibility, consequences, or risk of impregnation through unprotected vaginal sex impregnation fantasies are often indulged by reading erotic literature or role playing with a partner that sounds like such a healthier way to that sounds like a healthier way finish. to do it yeah, it does and so interestingly though, like you said Jack, it's like he had multiple people that he you hear this all the time with guys who are like you hear stories where you hear that guys don't want to use condoms or protection mm-hmm. and a lot of that time, I'm sure it is because it doesn't feel as good, but probably not given the risks. I think this is probably more common than people think. You think so? Yeah, because I think it's thrill-seeking. I think it's this like, it's like gambling.
1: If that is true, I bet the men that do have that don't even, don't even realize the reason why that they think that way.
4: But back to Joe for a second. The idea that Joe would kill over this this thing, this, this fetish is pretty crazy considering he has no criminal record. He's an airman. He was horribly abusive to his wife.
2: Yeah,
1: And had this... So did she never... She just never called the cops on him. There's no, like, domestic violent charges. The wife. Violence charges against so, him.
4: So the military is really interesting in that they sort of have a different set of rules and they kind of govern their own people in a way where they can prosecute. And to have a military trial, that's done completely differently than the way our judicial system, our criminal and civil trials are done. Things can be handled internally. And like Sandra said, is that they were having to separate him and Anne because of the abuse. So I'm sure there are documented things in the military, but that is not the same as having a public criminal record. And for example, you can't try someone for the same crime twice. So if you're acquitted of a crime, in regular criminal court, and you can't be tried again. But if you happen to be in the military, they can try you if they want, even if you're just a veteran. So there are some loopholes here, and the military kind of just goes by its own governing body, which is pretty interesting. Okay, so back to where we are in the story. Joseph is in trial. The jury has gone to deliberate, and Joe is sitting there awaiting his fate, having pled not guilty denying everything along the way
3: and i'm like you did it how could and now i mean the guy that's there and in court is not the guy i mean it's the body the face of the guy i knew but it's not the guy i knew the guy i knew that was a friend he couldn't have done that So the monster he turned into after his child was born that could hurt his wife, that could murder this poor, defenseless woman, is not the guy I knew.
0: So the jury deliberated for seven hours, and they returned guilty verdicts for two counts of first-degree murder to Joseph Sear, and they recommended a sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole.
4: Joseph Sear is in prison, although he has attempted to appeal multiple times. But there is one thing to consider here. The longer and longer we're observing um, patterns of killers, we're seeing that they're able to evade capture for not just days, not just weeks, not months, not years, decades. We saw this in the Golden State Killer case, 40 years with evading any major interactions, and clashes with the law. It is possible to be killing over and over and not get
3: caught. How how do we know for certain if this was his one and only person to kill? Because he got away with it first and clear for six months. I mean, in that six months, how many other people got hurt or before Jamie, I mean, I, I, I'm not certain it was his only time, not that it was clean or anything, but just to hide her and like he did where she wasn't found for over a month, I I feel like there might be more.
4: And there very well maybe. but the only choice we have is to sit and wait as states move through backed, logged cases, rape cases, and cold cases that need to have the evidence processed. And who knows? There may be more victims connected to Joseph Sear. And I hope if there are, we find out soon so we can close these
1: cases and give people's families closure.
0: So what did we learn today?
1: Sometimes it's not always the husband, contrary to popular belief, yeah. I know,
2: and
0: there
4: is a difference between the statistical likelihood and you never know how many times um those odds don't fall in that favor, yeah. And I think the evidence against him looked so bad.
1: I know. But how scary is that? That, I mean, he could have easily been put away for the rest of his life.
4: Well, I think people judged him based on the decision. And listen, it's like they were in a swinger relationship. They like when their partner is with other people. That's not everybody's bag. And a lot of people who come from a religious background or this or or even a conservative, non-religious background can't understand that. But they're kind of these people who found each other's weirdness matched theirs. Mm-hmm. And when the police found this out about them, they could not see beyond that with him. If you can a- well, allow they- your wife to do this, you must this. which is, Right. He's was also like, not allowing her. This was her choice, too.
1: It was like preconceived guilt just because they live a certain lifestyle. And that's so not fucking fair.
4: Well, and it, it proves such a great point because so many... Defense attorneys, brilliant defense attorneys use this. OJ's dead. Just because he's an abusive asshole doesn't mean he's a murderer. And this guy wasn't even that. I mean, they had domestic disputes. They were still a young couple under a lot of, lot of stress. And I didn't read anything that she was ever physically harmed, although she may have been. I'm not even trying to like take away from that. But my point is, is that he was not the murderer. But you can be a dick and not
1: be a murderer. Like
4: you can be the worst and not be a murderer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we all hear um, some characteristics of crimes that are highly publicized, and we condemn people without batting an eye. Yeah. And there are innocent people in jail, so many, and there are guilty people walking free. And, you know, this was highly publicized. Joseph knew the husband was taking the fall for this for over six months and was like, woohoo.
1: He's stoked, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. that's
4: ruining... Not just Jamie's. Well, stealing Jamie's life, ruining the husband's. She's got four kids and stole the life of the, their baby. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, all right, cool.
0: And leaving town, too. Skipping town.
4: Yeah,
1: he's the scum of the earth. Fucking dick. So take it all with a grain of salt. Do your own research. Well, yeah, don't jump to conclusions when you see something on the media, either, because they're going to run with whatever story they want to run with, Shut- with whatever angle they want to deal it with.
4: And check your biases. It's like, biases are finding your personal life. You don't want to be friends with someone who does XYZ because you won't be able to hold your tongue. That is your right. But uh, the justice system is not for you to put your beliefs on someone to make judgments about their character.
0: Yes. And that's not only the justice system, that's also uh, media too. And media has to Check their biases when they are uh, reporting on cases and just lay out the facts and also pick stories that not necessarily um, play into the whole ideal victim scenario.
4: Yeah. Right. And it's like, I couldn't find anything about Jamie other than what I could find is her ex-husband talking shit about her in an article.
1: I'm sure. What I
4: couldn't find is the crocheting. A friend of hers had to do, you know, like a memorial
1: thing to be like, I didn't even know what she did. Everyone focused on the sex work. Well, that's the thing. It's like, and then people are going to see, it's like, yeah, you know, blonde, white, pretty attractive woman who was a sex worker and a swinger. But it's like, and she also did these charitable amazing things and was a mother and a and a wife and, and a, a human and that's that that's what makes me so mad is when people get diminished down to like their least attractive characteristic to said media outlet
4: right it's like you can't reduce people to the thing that you don't, don't like.
0: like no and you can't re- yes and you can never reduce people to it goes for everything in life you can't reduce people to just what they do for um a living and then it all it all flows down for the media but it's it's the way that we characterize people and that's one of the things that i fight with every day when i'm working with victims families is that you know if somebody had a had a good job or they were a cheerleader or whatever That's always going to go to the top of the media spectrum, and then everything else goes to the bottom.
4: It makes me really sick. And I think we forget this through this episode. Jamie was 25. I'm just really sad that this happened to her, and she didn't deserve the negative commentary. Yeah. Um, I feel really bad for her husband.
0: Yeah. Poor guy. And ultimately, she didn't deserve what happened to her. No, of course not.
4: Well, Sandra, thank you so much for alerting me to this story. I this is like our favorite thing. I had we never would have come yeah. across
1: this one. No. And how did Sandra find us? Sandra emailed us. Sandra emailed us. So if anybody else is connected to a murderer and wants to tell us your story and your connection, then email us at hello at the first Especially these important stories. Yeah. That- this this is We don't always get taught
4: something, but we had an unsuspected ending. I mean, this person who seemed guilty as all hell was innocent. Yeah. And this woman who was portrayed as not as deep as she is, like, she's a lot more than that.
0: Yeah. Right. And, And it's a message for journalists out there that don't just... Go to the common denominator. Don't just go to what people do. What's dig easy. into, dig in, yes, dig into who the people are. Yeah, for fuck's sake.
4: She was knitting hats for babies with cancer. That's who she is.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right. Welcome to Killing Time. We have killed the the from Killing Time. I'm going to sneak it in when you're not paying attention. <laughs> no. Did you already like edit it in? So when I hear this now, it's going to be the Killing Time? Yeah. Now it is. I'm going to just lead with the one you just did. And put that at the top. It's like, welcome to the Killing Time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Okay. So I'm going to take a... Another recommendation from our Facebook group, and people really wanna know what we're listening to, what we're watching, what we're reading. So I thought I'd start off with what song is we're currently spinning. And before we do this, I'm gonna start off with a story. And my story was from Crime Con. And it was oh. from when Alexis, oh. me oh, and Jerry <laughs> were sharing a room. You don't know this. Mm-hmm. We shared a room at crime. I know Con. what this is going to be. It was a, um, it wasn't a third wheel. It didn't feel like a third wheel. No, definitely not. Um, and one day that we we're getting ready to go out on the town, have some drinks, still a little drunk. And Alexis was like, you know what? I'm going to play a song to like really pump us up. Like I am like pump up music, <laughs> Lizzo, all the shit. And then she plays the song. Do you know what the song is? it goes, Once I was seven years old, my My dad told me to go make yourself a girl you'll be lonely. You know that song? No. It's like it's the, by Lucas Graham. It's the saddest it's, song. It's
4: and he, he goes through it's like, like he's a, like, I hope when I'm 50 years old, my kids will visit me. Like it goes through his whole life. You okay, know what
1: it is? It's the Giving Tree in a song. Like it's the book, <laughs> The Giving Tree, made into a song. So it's like really, it's like goes through his life about like basically being lonely his entire <laughs> life, and then like he dies. Anyways, <laughs> the moral of my story was that Alexis tried to put a pump up song on, and it was sad. Well, that's an embodiment of me <laughs> yeah. that made me feel good.
0: <laughs> like just like, all right guys, I want to, I want to, we're going to, we're going to go hit the town. It's new Orleans. We're going to hit the town. My, and she puts on like Johnny Cash's heart. <laughs> <It's> is, like, <laughs> no,
1: but at least that My is like a good jam. Well, serotonin good jam. and
4: dopamine is so depleted that that brought me up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's how sad you <laughs> are. Yeah. Like Lucas Graham's song made me feel
2: good. Well,
0: inside. What's your, what's your pump up song?
1: Like a general pump up song. Yeah. Oh, Florida, Georgia line.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right.
1: I like country. Country pumps me up, mm-hmm. and like really shitty, like like party country. Mm-hmm. That's but I don't really get pumped like pumped up for what? Like, why I need to get pumped like up. Cotton Eye Joe? Is that party country? <laughs> kind of. I love Cotton Eye Joe. But like, I think of a pump up song as like you're gonna go out at night, but I don't go out at night. So like, like Lucas a- Graham is kind of on your speed then. No, but I also don't want to be sad. Right. Like, that's me like putting the fray on to <laughs> nobody like pump wants you up. to be. Oh, yeah. You know? No one wants to be sad. It's just nostalgic. I know, but that doesn't pump me up. Nostalgia doesn't pump, unless it's emo nostalgia, then that pumps me up. Like, mm-hmm. The U's or Team Sunday will pump me up, but not like a Dashboard Confessional won't pump me up. Oh, really? <laughs> what about Death Cab for Cutie? That does not pump me up. <laughs> okay. What's your pump up song, Alexis, other than. Other than that sad song. I really love TV on the radio. Yes. TV on the radio pumps me.
4: Wolf Like Me, TV DMZ? on the radio. DMZ, TV on the radio. Um, Wolf Like Me, two big pump up songs.
1: My best or my favorite scene. One of my favorite scenes from any TV show. Was the Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. When DMZ plays. It is the most epic scene Ever, when Walt is like, stay out of my territory. Oh, it's such a good
4: song. It's such a good. Staring at the Sun is another one of their songs that is so good. <laughs> I
1: could just go on and on. <laughs> Billy, what are your pump-up songs?
0: Let's see. you hey, Like Me Now by The Heavy. You guys don't know that song?
1: I know it. You do? Sing it. How you like me now? Yeah. It's good. yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't like that song. Is that a current song? No. I mean,
0: it's fairly current uh-uh. for the Yeah. You know, Helter Skelter. I'll put on to pump me up.
1: I wouldn't consider it the pump up song. <laughs> <laughs> you <guys laughs> These ideas of pump up songs are odd. Awesome. I actually
0: have a. This is this is a. Um, I was like a, Busta Rhymes. A little, a little insight feel, yeah. into, into myself. I, I have a a a 10 song playlist called walk over dreams that I created (laughs) whenever I have to like um, walk out of a meeting that, um, that I know is not going to go anywhere. And then I put it on and how you like me now is one of the first songs on that. So
1: you play, you play this playlist after a meeting goes bad.
0: Not nearly after a meeting goes bad. It's every listen. The thing about Hollywood is every meeting goes wonderful. It's amazing. Oh yeah. And then really what you were there for is the free water. Really, because that's it. That's all you really get out of is free water. Because ninety nine point nine percent of those, you're not getting anything out of it.
1: You know what's so funny? I've realized that's how my the weight that I put into meetings is zero, zero,
0: zero. Like
1: it could be the best meeting I've ever gotten in my entire life, and I d- there the care is none, yes. zero, yes, zero cares. What are you doing all over there, Alexis? I'm looking for my USB. So I could back up our uh, after show and not lose it.
0: (laughs) That would be good.
1: I didn't know anyone would know that I was doing that. Well, you know, when you move around, it's very distracting for the other, the two of us here. I'm a highly distracting person. You are a very highly distracting person.
0: Yeah. So, well, what do you, uh, as far as what I'm listening to now, I'm listening to. The main. I, I did listen to the main.
1: I know, Bill that he listened to their like, live at the Orpheum thing that they did.
0: Because they played Flowers on the Grave, and <laughs> Jared told me, no, we're never going to play that song, because it's like a it's kind of like a seven-minute song, it's and like it's a little minutes, bit of yeah. a downer. Yeah, but they played it live. Oh, they did? It says live at the Orpheum, but you don't hear any people in it, so maybe they just plugged into the board before they were...
1: Well, so it was this whole thing that they had one fan come and see it, and it was like a whole story about her. Oh, and, like, okay. What their oh, that's kind of cool. Her. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, but yes, yeah, I I did listen to that today and I've been listening to the Once Upon a Hollywood soundtrack uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood soundtrack which Who's is it? amazing. It's all this like these songs from the late 60s that you don't know. It's amazing that you know he, like he didn't put in Helter Skelter, he put in Ramblin' Gamblin' Man by Bob Seger or Treat Her Right by Roy Head and the Traits and and like all of the it's such a great song uh, great soundtrack to listen to when you're driving around Los Angeles
1: and probably you like obviously get the vibe of the 60s you get the
0: vibe of the 60s that- and also what what on the soundtrack they have the DJ from the movie who's a real DJ his name is the real Don Steele and he actually has a uh, a star on the Hollywood Boulevard who's a real guy and they have him doing commercials and everything within the soundtrack. So he's doing commercials for Mug Root Beer and oh, for cool. and for like tanning butter and all this like weird stuff. Tanning butter, yeah.
1: Tanning butter, yeah. Ta-
0: Tanya tanning butter. It's the uh, and it has no sunscreen in it. This is what he said. He's like, the only thing between you and the sun is uh, cocoa butter and uh, oil and a little bit of lava smoke. And he said, it'll be, there's nothing between you and the sun, and you'll burn a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs>
1: right yeah that's the 60s that's a spirit um my current song that i have been jamming and i've been jamming it a little less than i was before because before it was like 100 times a day is oh my god what's this fucking name oh my god it's the my emo revival song i'll do mine in the meantime you do yours i'll think of it i'm really loving
4: brother tiger high tide have uh, you guys heard it nope so good so vibey and then don't make fun of me noah cyrus That's a really good song. Really? Called July. That is like super different than Miley. It's kind of like folky, depressy, sing-songy. And I love it. I'll check it out. And then the next one after that, it's Brother Tiger, that, and then A Day to to Remember If It Means a Lot to You on my playlist. Hell yeah. That's one of my favorite songs of all time. Wait, is that an old song? A Day to Remember? Yeah. If it means a lot to you.
1: I I mean, I'd know it if I know it. It's the one where it's like... la. La la la. Oh yeah, 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 So good. I love a data. Me remember. too. Okay, then that goes back to my song. Okay, so I posted about this on Instagram. Machine Gun Kelly has a song. It came out in June. I heard about it late, but it's with Young Blood, who's Halsey's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. It's called "I Think I'm Okay," and then Travis Barker drums. It is the most emo nostalgia song in the world but it's new but it it makes me feel like i'm 15 years old like falling in love with the band for the first time
0: that's awesome she, it,
1: um, and i have not i think i'm okay i think i'm okay yeah, all I right i have not oh <laughs> can't play all lot i sorry we can't play all of
0: it we can only <laughs> play me, a little bit of it sorry i didn't mean
1: to do that um no but cause machine gun kelly like used to be in warped Tour War and stuff so yeah. it's like kind of connected to it but i don't know what it is about the song it doesn't it sounds like a bunch of different bands. Like It sounds like The U's. It sounds a little bit like Blink-182. It sounds a little bit like Taking Back Sunday. It's like a little bit of everything, but the way that it makes me feel is the most like, I don't know, I feel, like I'm little, I feel like I'm a little kid again. It's nostalgic and exciting and amazing and I'm obsessed with it. And I smoked weed the night that I heard the song for the first time and I watched every single YouTube video <laughs> of them performing it ever. Like, <laughs> probably 30 of them. Jack's a fan. I'm a huge fan. That's
0: awesome. All right, I just added it to my. And what I do is on Spotify is I make a playlist every month.
4: So do I. Yeah. Do you have like a thing in your calendar to remind yourself to do that? What? Yeah, it's I'll
0: called it's called the first day of the month.
4: You do that on the 1st of every month? Yeah.
0: Well, I and then I add to it th- throughout the month. Yeah, yeah. so
1: good. I'm yeah. not disciplined in any way. Yeah. I try to, but then mine ended up being like January, March, mm-hmm. July, and then I just. But I
0: also check. use the release radar, and I use the the um, the daily the, the weekly playlist yeah, that they you make. Just put me. all your favorites yep. in yep. there, and then whatever they they send me, I make.
1: Just Make your own playlist. Yeah, you are living. He is living. Okay, well, we killed some time. We did. We killed enough time. The time. Go listen to our songs. Listen to that Machine Gun Kelly song to all my uh, retired or not so retired emo kids. TV on their idea, Wolf Like Me, is
4: my life anthem. It's the move. What? The one from Breaking Bad too? Oh, I thought
1: you were going to say. And of course, once I was seven years old. Oh, yeah, and Lucas Graham. <laughs> If you want to feel alive. I can't listen to that song <laughs> about thinking of you. Thank you.
4: Like,
0: what the By the fuck way, what uh- are you
4: doing? Dude, I played it when I was driving through Bosnia, too, and my mom was like,
2: "What is wrong with you?" I
4: was you like, have- "You want to put on Sound of Music soundtrack and
1: be Yvonne Trap or some shit?" Oh my god, you have to look. It's like even the the vibe of it is it's just so, so weird. weird. It sounds like it should be in like a, a musical. Okay. It's so it's like, weird. It's so weird. My mom, like it sounds like you should be like walking through like a, a fake city Set, walking right. by him it's so <laughs> weird i don't know what i was i was in a dark place i had lost my luggage that's right that was <laughs> i had you, no clothes yeah, at
0: crime no clothes. con
4: no underwear i was a disgusting sweaty freak the entire
1: time yeah so you just had to like wallow in your emo-ness yeah and jared's the only one who would let me complain about it
0: <laughs> that's true <laughs> i was like
1: jared i need clothes no, everyone else is
0: Jared, tired of hearing. J- Jared was there writing songs.
1: About it. Yeah, Alexis yeah. kept wanting to go to Nordstrom Rack like five hundred times. Yes. I'm like, I cannot be shopping at Nordstrom Rack in New Orleans right now. I'm like, I am. I'll see you later. I needed this. I had nothing. Fucking American Airlines. All right, all right. Well, well we killed it. We killed we, it. We killed it. We need a better sign off. We'll figure it out Bye, Z. next yeah. week. Forever.